0: Greetings, Voyagers. This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 60, I Eat Lao Food. I think I said 69 in the episode, didn't I? I don't know. Uh, nine off. That's probably the rice whiskey. Anyway, I'm joined on this episode by my buddy Manila. He is one half of the amazing duo behind I Eat Lao Food. This podcast has been an amazing way to meet uh, really talented and incredible people, and it's been a, a great network for me. I was introduced to Greg from the Food and Footprints Travel and Food blog. Um, who introduced? Oh, I was introduced to him uh, through Dewi. And I saw him at the Queen's International Night Market, That runs on Saturdays, Saturday nights, all through the summer. I believe through part of the fall too, I think up to October. But that is where he told me I need to check out I Eat Lao Food. And I did, and it was freaking incredible. And when I ate it, and I know this is cheesy, but... I was there with my buddy Kevin, who had been to Luang Prabang with me, and as soon as I ate it, it transported me back there. I was like, there's a flavor here I have not had anywhere in the States. I feel like I'm back, and that's awesome, and I loved it. So I thought, hey, maybe I'll have Manila on the podcast. He was super receptive, invited me into his home. We shared some rice whiskey, which was a a great accoutrement to this uh, conversation. About two-thirds of the way through the conversation, we are joined by Manila's girlfriend, Kristen, who is as lovely as Manila is himself. And we we had a great conversation after we were recording. It's a shame sometimes the, the, the best things are said before I hit record and after I hit record. But it was just great to have, you know, three people with uh, three quite different backgrounds sharing stories about travel and their upbringings and talking about their cultures. It was, I mean, this is why I love to do this. This is exactly the type of thing that I want to put out into the world. If there's anything that you can take away from this episode, I think it's that um, you know, ultimately, the theme that has been permeated throughout these episodes is that we we are all the same. But yeah, we do throughout the world come from quite different cultures, and that's that can be an exciting thing if if you're not uh, caught up in only sticking with your um, identity group or or culture or something like that. It's it's great to kind of sit with someone you know, metaphorically nakedly and 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 have your preconceptions about their culture, who they are, stripped away, and just kind of sit there as a sponge and absorb the things that they want to uh, to teach you and to, to have you learn about them. So there's a few things that we did not get to mention in the episode. So I want to make sure I have those in the intro here. So there's two things, uh, Louse in the house. And I always thought it was just Lao and you, you know, the more, you know, the more you do not know, um, And legacyofwar.org. So lausinthehouse.com and legacyofwar.org if you are interested in people who are uh, promoting the culture. I'm really sorry that I'm going to say this like an ignorant person and maybe mess up your names, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, Katsy Villepon is the director of Laos in the House. So she tells stories about the Lao diaspora through the arts. And Chanapa... Kam is the director of Legacy of War, Legacies of War, and uh, we talk a little bit in this episode about some of the political history, uh, militaristic history, and um, about how there's still so many unexploded bombs in Laos and she does an amazing job of organizing and mobilizing Lao Americans around this topic. So check out Laos in the House. That would be somebody great to have on the podcast. I'm going to ask Manila. Uh, As I mentioned, you can check out the show notes for the information about where you can eat some amazing Lao food that uh, Manila and Kristen are making. I will also have his social media stuff on there. And as always... You can check the show notes for a Patreon link. You can support this podcast through Patreon. It would go a really long way in helping me to continue to put out content and to share these stories with you. So, Okay, I think that is it. Is that it, Tim? That is it, Tim. All right, folks, enjoy this one. Hope you do, because I sure did. Bye-bye. Yeah. So first of all, Manila, thank you. Um, this is a real treat for me. This is also a real treat. So we're drinking yeah. some, as as you just heard, we're drinking some lao, uh, some whiskey here, some rice yeah. wine kind of whiskey.
1: It's, it's called lao lao. Lao, lao meaning alcohol and lao just being... Fermented rice, yeah. this is. Yeah. Made with uh, fermented rice, sticky rice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Apparently it doesn't give you any hangovers. It doesn't have any of that added sugar and... All those bad things that give you hangovers.
0: Yeah, sticky rice itself actually doesn't. It's it's like gluten, glutinous rice. It yes. doesn't have any actual sugar. I, it's just I, more sugary rice, like the yeah. Rice itself.
1: I guess so. You know, I'm not the expert or the scientist. I'm just going off of what he says. I'm gonna believe him. Okay,
0: <laughs> but like when you cook sticky rice, yeah. unless it's like mango sticky rice dessert type of thing, you're not oh, actually right, right. adding. Uh, no, no, any no. Sugar it's it just, would. I
1: guess, it's just a type of grain.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it's also called g- glutinous rice. Glutinous rice, yeah. Yeah, but when when it's mango sticky rice, like condensed milk is added. Yeah, and, exactly. But no, sticky rice, it's like ice cream. No, I, unless something, it's from the starch. It's very starchy. So if there's a way where you can extract sugar from the starch, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I'm no scientist, but yeah. I'm sure that's how it's made by laying that rice soak for however long and then extracting whatever sugars you can from the starch.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess as you should explain, so, so we have a common friend, uh, Greg, who who I've talked about on here before and hopefully he'll be on here soon. Cool. And he recommended first that I go to the Queens night market. But then when I was there, he was like, Oh, I have to go check out my friend. Yeah. Um, and you had like one, one of the top three things. I loved the Burmese bites I loved your food, and uh, Nigel's stuff at Hello Moon Man.
1: Awesome. Thank you, by the way, for uh, yeah. stopping by, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. That's really cool.
0: Well, you know what? Uh, this is going to sound super cheesy, but it, it took me back. Mm-hmm. I, I've been to, and I guess we'll get into it a bit in a, in, in a little bit, but I've been to uh, Luang Prabang, so I haven't been all over Lao, but mm-hmm. uh, I have been there. And as soon as I ate it, I was like, my buddy Kevin was with me, I was like, oh, shit, like, there's something that I'm remembering that I haven't had in such a long time. Mm-hmm. And I was asking Greg about it. What is what is that, uh, the, Like the, I guess, m- the, the strongest flavor in that, in the the mushroom lop that you made?
1: Oh, in the mushroom lop? Um, I think He's the distinction or the, the unique... Is that- in, in the mushroom lop, there is a sprinkle of... Uh, well, let me not say that. Uh, I guess what is it called? Macroot? Macrute. Lime leaves. Lime leaves, huh? Yeah, macrute lime. It's it's basically you know kaffir lime leaves. But I get I think the other term for it is macrute lime leaves. I'm gonna call it macrute lime leaves. Okay. Um, it's just dust. It's just a leaf that you just finely chop, and you dust it. Um, you know, fish sauce is also prominent in the dish, and some toasted rice powder. Okay. So I think that's what makes a lot Toasted rice powder And fish
0: sauce It was really exciting Because again Like it was something That I hadn't had In a long time And it got me thinking You know Of food And culture That comes out Of Southeast Asia Like you can go into Pretty much at this point In 2018 Any town USA And there might be A Thai restaurant Right It might not be great But Mm -hmm. it would be A version of Thai food and you don't see that with Lao food. It's a much underrepresented culture and food culture. Yeah. So I'm happy that, you know, I have you here today and, and, and we're able to put your story out there and, and kind of give, you know, some props to, to the larger culture.
1: Yeah. Cool.
0: Cool. So let, let's start uh, maybe at the beginning. And Greg was kind of instrumental in, in helping me out with some of this information. But uh, so you were born in Lao.
1: I was actually born in the Philippines You
0: were born in the Philippines
1: Yeah, my my parents um, Left the country not, not, Let me not say left They yeah. fled the country right. uh, You know, during a time Where, you know, there was still The after effects of the war Going on Um, And by war, I mean like the Vietnam War And some of the post Um you know, whatever communist things that was going on. So they left around 87, they were moved to a refugee camp in the Manila Philippines. Well, let me, let me I think they were, they, they went from Laos, Vientiane Laos, mm. to a refugee camp in Thailand across the Mekong River. Um, I think it was Nong Khai, And then they went to a refugee camp in the Manila Philippines where I was born. And then, when I was like three months old, my family, my parents and I were sponsored by a church in central New York. and that's where they were then flown out to Syracuse, New York, and that's where, you know, life in America started.
0: Wow. so th- there's a few things i I kind of want to unpack from that. First, let me make sure <laughs> let yeah. me make sure I'm saying things correctly because I've used the term, Lao is kind of like a ubiquitous term to encompass everything Laotian, and you had a a, a funny little graphic that kind of broke this down. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I was Um, just gonna pull that up. Okay, cool. Yeah, it it basically explains.
0: Can can, can we crack these two? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Awesome. It's so so if you if if I'm saying Laos, yeah, Laos is
1: the country. When you refer to Laos, we're just strictly talking about the country. Laos
0: versus Lao.
1: Yeah, so Lao is basically describing the people.
0: Mm.
1: You know, you might uh, also hear it interchanged with Laotian. Laotian. which um, this graph here, beautifully done by Art of Noor, by the way. (laughs) So Lao is the ethnicity. Laos is the country, and Laotian is all things from Laos. There you go. I, and I, I think that's the best way one can kind of describe that.
0: I'm likely going to screw that up, so I apologize for that's for sounding doing. ignorant throughout this. Um, but I guess maybe to give some people some context, y- you pointed to something historical that I think is pretty important. Um, and and I hope I have most of this correct, but a lot of people don't realize that the Vietnam War was not just the United States and Vietnam, like North Vietnam and South Vietnam. Yeah. Um, the the border of Laos was bombed heavily to prevent North Vietnamese from entering. Laos was kind of a, a political strategy for the United States. I think, you know, here you learn in high school containment, right? Mm-hmm. Cold War containment. There was trying to prevent communism from coming into, into Laos. And um, there's at least rumor of, the Hmong people being armed by the CIA. Mm-hmm. And so then after the war when the North Vietnamese come in and there's a communist takeover of Lao, you see ethnic cleansing and genocide and and, and awful things happening to, to Hmong people and you get a lot of refugees. Yeah. Um are are your parents ethnically Hmong or
1: No, um they're Lao. Okay. They're Lao. Um they're just some Lao folks, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Whereabouts in in Laos L- are they from?
1: Um, they're about an hour north of Vientiane, which is the yeah. capital of Laos. Um, my mom comes from a village called Mungkau, and my dad comes, comes from the village literally across the river. It's a river, not the, the Mekong River. It's a small river. I don't know. I forget what the name of the river is mm-hmm. called, but he comes from a, a village called Pakinyung. Yeah.
0: And you came to Syracuse, I'm assuming, that in central New York, there is at least some type of Laotian community where people could kind of yeah, uh, at the, rely on people as a resource? Yeah,
1: it's not, sorry, but um, yeah, yeah, it's okay. yeah, at the time, there was uh, a decent amount of Laotian people uh, up there. Um, there's Laotian people spread, uh, spread all across America, but in our particular case, we just happened to land with that specific sponsor in Syracuse, New York.
0: Yeah. And so you spent all your grade school years in, in high school there? Yeah. Okay. And
1: my college years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you came to New York as an adult then? Yeah. Oh, New York City, sorry.
1: Yeah, I guess. So I moved here when I was 21.
0: And what type of Laotian community is there in New York? It seems, at least as an outsider, to be quite small. In New York City? In New York City, yeah.
1: Yeah, New York City has some Lao people. They're mostly young professionals. They're mostly, what do you call them, transplants mm-hmm. from you know, all across the country. Um, I haven't met any Lao folks that have grown up here. I have met some Cambodian folks
0: yeah.
1: that have grew up in Brooklyn, you know, like born in Brooklyn, like yeah. real... And they, they, they tell me that there used to be a really large Lao and Cambodian community really? back in the early 2000s. Yeah, apparently they would go clam digging and fishing out by, um, you know, like, Sheepshead Bay. Yeah, you know. that's
0: down where I live. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, my sister and her husband actually come down sometimes just to come get, get clams down here. But um, I think um, they started moving away eventually. Um I know, moving down to Lowell, down to the over to the Midwest, where you'll see larger pockets of Lao people. In the Midwest, yeah, really. Definitely.
0: Wow. Yeah. I would think, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, California has a lot of Southeast Asian communities. Yeah. Um, Midwest. It's interesting.
1: Yeah. I actually just saw a, f- a stat somewhere on the internet today where it's like, if English being the most spoken language in Minnesota, the second most spoken language is actually Hmong. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, and I did read
0: St. Paul has yeah. a big community. Yeah,
1: St. Paul in Minneapolis, a uh, huge Hmong community. I think the largest in the States. Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, I was there this past summer. I went for my friend's wedding. He's Hmong. He married a Hmong, Hmong woman. And I was just like, wow, this is a lot of Hmong people. <laughs> yeah. They have a church out there. Really? Like, they've organized and fundraised enough money to build, like, the state-of-the-art church. And it's just really cool to see that level of, uh, I don't know, community. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And maybe we should explain to people that, um, you know, you can be Hmong in Laotian. The, the yeah. Hmong ethnicity um, folks also live in, in Thailand, Thailand, Vietnam. Vietnam, China parts too, of China. Right?
1: Yeah. yeah, so they're just kind of like a ethnic group Group um, that I don't know if they claim a country, but they're definitely they roll deep
0: yeah. among people. <laughs> yeah. And that's why you see so um, something like like LARB yeah. is actually from Laos, even though you'll see it on Thai menus. It, is that because of refugees going to Thailand and bringing part of the culture over? Or-
1: well, um,
0: countries are also quite
1: close. Yeah, they are they are pretty close. Um yeah, I don't know if I have the authority to make these claims. Yeah. But, you know, the the you lines have been drawn differently. The the lines that separate the countries. Um Laos used to be much bigger. It used to be like an empire uh Lansang, which is like the land of elephants back in like the 1600s and then You know, with war and people take over, this group takes over, another group takes over. But, um, I mean, yeah, I think LAP started in Laos and kind of, you know, made its way around. And I know in northern Thailand they they do a Laos um, up in... Oh, why is it not... Isan. Yeah, Isan. Thai Isan yeah, 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 Thai Isan. Yeah, Thai Isan. Thai Isan um is basically Lao people who just live in Thailand. Right. They speak a dialect much similar to Lao. And um yeah, it's it's like Lao up there.
0: If I say larb is that like the the gringo version?
1: I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, you said it though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to start saying lop.
1: Well, it's that's how I grew up yeah. saying it lop, you know. I've seen a lot of different spellings like L A R B which would right. lead you to believe it's <laughs> larb but um I think the Rs are silent in Lao.
0: Oh okay. So it's like lop. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's like lop. Is there is there um is there a word a uh, gringo word like every culture has like like kulay yeah. uh farang.
1: Yeah, it's it's falang.
0: Oh, it's the same. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's all good. <laughs> now, Falang really just means outsider, just oh, okay. and any person who's not from I gotcha. the, the country.
0: But yeah. they're just heavily Aussies and yeah, yeah. So I'm curious. Then I guess your um, your introduction into Laotian cuisine and food was growing up here in Syracuse, but I'm assuming your parents cooking for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, my mom cooked Lao food all the time, like seven days a week, like, like clockwork. Yeah, so it was my norm growing up.
0: One thing that you make apparent in your videos is that you might think that it's not possible to get the same flavors as you would get um, over in Laos, but that it is possible. When, when you were growing up, in central New York, was that the same? Was your mom able to find ingredients that were comparable to what she would be able to cook with in Laos?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I never understood... I couldn't answer this question for you if I didn't go to Laos. Okay. Because the ingredients in Laos are just uh, pretty superior. Like, everything is freshly grown. It's organic. You know what I mean? Um, Things are just... Sweeter out there Even the fruit The lime juice They just have a different type of I don't know Bite to it Or It's just better You know I guess so So here in in the States My mom just did what she could You know And it was great I mean She did what she could It was her version of Lao food Um but when I went to Laos, man, that that food is is tremendous.
0: It's funny, yeah. because, like that's a really good point. There's no supermarkets as you would think of them here in the states. So what right. you're getting is what you're getting for the day or for the next couple of days, yeah. and so it's always fresh. Like, yeah, you have no choice for it, but yeah. for it to be fresh.
1: Yeah, it just it just tasted different out there, man. Like better. It's just better.
0: When did you first go to Laos?
1: Um, I, I went to Laos my one and only time um, last year. It was... Really? Um, yeah. I went for a month back in 2017. No. I'm lying. 2016.
0: And did you go all over? Or?
1: I I visited my mom's side of the family um, in Vientiane, and we traveled up north through Vang Vieng and Luang Prabang, so, yeah, when I go back, I, I hope to go south. Yeah, you know. So,
0: um, did your mother teach you how to cook, or were you watching and observing?
1: Um, you know, my relationship with food started after I moved to New York, and I started missing my mom's food. So I started asking her, "Hey, mom, like i really missed this dish. Like, how do you make it?"
0: New York City, you mean? Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: So when I moved to New York, you know, there was no Lao food here. Yeah, you know what I mean. Not not accessible, like you know, on a daily. So I started asking her how to make certain dishes, and you know, we started to connect over these these recipes. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: How would you, I guess, characterize? Uh, Laotian food. Um, and if that's unclear, like, again, it, it, you know, your maybe novice American would think, like, oh, yeah, uh, Thai food has noodles and it's Pad thai mm-hmm. and it has, has, has chilies. How would you classify what Laotian food is?
1: Yeah, um, man, Laotian food is. To me, Laotian food is my my favorite food, but that's uh, it. Might be biased, and <laughs> because it gives me a lot oh, of nostalgic. But even the even the flavors, it's it's to me one of the most well-rounded foods when it comes to sweetness, sour, bitter, um, crunch, bite. Yeah, it's it's like a party in your mouth to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Like a lot of. Um, it sounds douchey to like sometimes say things like this, but we'll like. Safe space like, here. Like non Western food cultures get that right. Like anything from um, Indian food to Vietnamese food mm-hmm. to even like uh, Korean food, where it's like you have so many different textures and flavors and, and spicy and, and, and temperature hot and cold all mm-hmm. in the same dish at once. Yeah. Uh, and we, we don't, we don't quite have that here in the States with, I, I mean, I what's American food anyway? I don't even know.
1: I mean, maybe you could put coleslaw on your burger, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> um, that sounds good. I actually like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's fair. Um, my, so it, it, in my very limited experience, some things I remember. I, th- I had to write one of these down. Um, oh, and I had a question for you too. All right, yeah, no problem. Great. So so we talked about sticky rice. I had a question about that, but um, so I recall having almost the like Lao version of hot pot. Okay. Um. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you get like a, a structure, a circular structure with boiling water and and and, and different meat and things like yeah. that. Um, oh, the the thing that I wrote down that I really liked was orlam. Okay. Sp- uh, like a spicy orlam. stew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the very
1: popular in Long Prabang, yeah, which as ex- I'm sure where it, you had it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Cool.
0: And um, it one of the protein sources was water buffalo. Yes. So that was pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, kind of very gamey. Yeah, and tough. <laughs> totally gamey. But it has like this really unique woody. They use this uh, wood. I don't know what it's called, but it's it's specific to Long Prabang. I oh. guess you can only get that wood up there.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I really like that. And then, um, primarily Buddhist country, so they had something. And I don't know if this is just for like tourists and backpackers and things like that, but um, almost like uh, if you want to call it a buffet where there's all sorts of food laid out and you get a bowl and, y- and you give them a the bowl and say fill it up with this, this, this and mm-hmm. it's, it's like a dollar American or something like yeah. that but mostly vegetarian food. Uh, that was pretty memorable. Uh, was
1: that that little strip off the side? Off the exactly, night market? Kind of yeah.
0: tented, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. I remember that. It, Luang Prabang is really interesting because... Um, like cities anywhere, most of the capitals throughout Southeast, Southeast Asia are really crowded mm-hmm. and noisy and and, and packed and, and open late, and like the the backpackery touristy sections have like like loud like club music all night and yeah. EDM and shit like that. Um, so Luang, Luang Prabang is nice because it, it's it's mellow. It's not a metropolis. Yeah, if things are closing by eleven. You yeah, you just relax. It's freaking awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a pretty chill town. Um, when I, I stayed there for like six days, and I was looking for some nightlife, but you know, there's so much to do during the daytime, and it's really just nice to relax. You don't have to like bump and fist bump
0: and
1: yeah, <laughs> do uh, what do you call those air crack? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't. You haven't been to Vang, Vang They have this thing called air crack.
0: No, I've heard. You yeah, heard? Yeah, okay, uh-huh. the
1: helium balloons. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. So you know, you would do helium balloons in Vang, Vang with all the backpackers and
0: is it outside of Vang Vien that people were like some torture like getting drunk and tubing and a couple of Yeah, that, that's Vang
1: Vien. That's, yeah, that's Vang Vieng. They have the uh the river there where they just do all types of crazy shit and drink and there's you literally go down to um go down the river in your tube and then you just make stops like this back and forth to different to, bars. to different bars, yeah. And you know, sometimes you'll play volleyball in the mud or Do, you know, whatever crazy things that you do. Um, I went during rainy season, so it wasn't crazy like that, Uh you know. And the water was a little... It was running kind of fast. Yeah. So they weren't really trying to get people drunk because I guess it gets (laughs) a little dangerous. But they started to crack down on that. And I I don't think they um, allow people to get that wild.
0: Yeah. I think ever since... The, you know, again, it's, someone got too drunk and hit their head or something. and yeah. I think ever since that, there's been a crackdown yeah. on it.
1: Well, you know, when people get drunk, they do dumb shit. So,
0: yeah, it's funny too because, I mean, is that a Laotian experience? Like, are our are, are local folks going down the river in a tube?
1: They're not. No, they <laughs> like to hang out on waterfalls. Uh. Uh, you know, they'll they'll get like a case of beer lao, take it up to a waterfall, and just sit in the water and just like you know, munch on snacks. There's always, like, food vendors around. Yeah. So they'll just drink their case of beer and, you know, chill out because, you know, people work too, you know, oh, so yeah. sometimes they just want to, like, hang out. But are they tubing? Not really. That's what my cousins were trying to get me to do because <laughs> they felt like that's what I wanted to do. But I just wanted to hang out with them and kind of uh, see what, you know, growing up for them was like,
0: Yeah. you know. Are, are they still over there?
1: Yeah, I have cousins over there. Um Yeah.
0: Are they proud of the fact that you're uh, doing your part and spreading the culture and and cooking good food here? Um,
1: I don't know. That's an interesting question because they're Lao, so they don't really know the importance of identity within America. Mm. You know what I mean? Because they're just they're Lao in Laos, so that's just what it is. Uh, You know, their idea. I'm. In my opinion, you know, um, the idea of cult—we This might have to edit this, but uh, like tourism is like their way of seeing what the world has to offer. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of hard. Like my aunt wants to come to America, but because of— certain rules within the government. Yeah. They don't allow everyone to travel. Of course. You know what I mean?
0: And and don't worry about this conversation getting real.
1: Yeah. Some of these do. Well, I don't mind it getting real. I just don't want to...
0: Misrepresent. misrepresent or
1: give people the wrong information. I know, I got you. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah, and and, and identity is is interesting. I think, you know, it's something that comes up on here a lot and it's something as as a a very generic looking white Mm -hmm. American male... It's not something that I ever had to think about or to deal with. Yeah. But I would imagine, you know, again, there's not a ton of Lao representation here in the United States. You're not necessarily watching films and, and media and things like that and seeing people yeah. that represent your culture. So I would imagine that would have been uh, a difficult thing to, to to deal with when you were growing up.
1: Well, one thing I will say about my, my family from Laos, they were really impressed that I could speak the language. They 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 figured that since I live in America, I've t- now become this American mm. who, I don't know what they s- assumed my parents did as far as teaching their now American children. Like, I don't know if they just assumed they forgot the culture or, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: no, I got you. Yeah,
1: so uh, they were really impressed by that and they were impressed that I ate all the food and... um I don't know. I, that may be. I'm not sure what their experiences with um, some of my other. I had my brother and my sister, younger brother and sister, travel back to Laos um, a few years back. They they traveled there before me, but I, I don't know what their experience was like um, personally for them. But maybe they were a little finicky with the food. I don't know. Mm. But they were really excited to be for me to be able to communicate with them and. Lao language and by just eating everything with them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you try to pick up on um, flavors and food techniques and and, and cooking techniques and things like that when you were there?
1: Yeah. um, I I tried my best to. um, It's really interesting the things they're able to do with
0: with not so much. With not so much. Exactly.
1: Like they're sharpening knives on like a random stone and I don't know, like slashing through a jungle to get lemongrass. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. But um, they keep it really simple out there, man. Like they just use whatever they have, and the ingredients are super fresh, and it just comes out really good. Just really great, simple, rustic. You know, bare minimum. Yeah. And kill it out there.
0: Another characterization about the food that I I, I didn't think to mention before was that. Um, like a lot of places outside of, of the States, food is really communal. Um, it's almost like, like a social gathering. It's it's the thing you do after work. You all get together. Um, you share using your hands. Is, is that a fair characterization of, of Laotian food?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like eating alone is weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's it's def- always
1: like, hey, come over, come over and eat. You know, you might call your neighbor to come by and eat. Like it's just a it's a it's a group activity that happens multiple times a day,
0: yeah, and 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 drinking too, is like a,
1: oh yeah, that is part of eating, yeah, yeah, <laughs> lots of cases and cases of beer lao and ice.
0: I'm curious about um I've been a lot of places where food, the business of food and the people actually doing the cooking. Are women mm-hmm. um, I can't quite recall if there was sort of like a gendered um, form of, of, of cooking work in Lao but um, is it normal for a man to be cooking or, um, or are you kind of the first of your family or
1: no I mean I think I think there are some instances where you know, there are some gender biases where women do do the cooking, but you know when I was there, my my cousin who was a guy did was very well knowledgeable in food and did a lot of cooking. Um, when they threw me a party, it was a it was a, a group effort. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like maybe men aren't doing the seasoning, but they're definitely slitting throats yeah. and <laughs> you know deboning <laughs> things. You know what I mean. So, cool. um, you know, I don't know. I guess from my experience, it's, it's a group thing.
0: Okay. It's a group thing. Uh, th- so I wanted to ask you about this. Did, when you were in Luang Prabang, did you go north of the river at all?
1: I didn't, like, cross that wooden bridge to go into Thailand or?
0: No. Oh, so huh. um, let me try to think of this in my head. So Luang Prabang is kind of a peninsula, mm-hmm. and I guess it's, it's a part of the Mekong goes around it like a horseshoe. And so if you're on the northern part I kind of accidentally found like a flat barge and the barges mm-hmm. go over the river mm-hmm. I didn't really know like what was going on mm-hmm. but the reason I, I bring this up is because when I got over the river uh, there were some kind of like like grandmas sitting and they had a, a wicker basket and inside they had they were selling um, a square and it was a banana leaf, and inside was sticky rice. But with it was something, mm-hmm. like a pudding or a custard or like a yogurt-y type of thing. Okay, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Yeah, I, I think I do. It's um, the, in Lao we call it, um, give me a moment.
0: Yeah, and I'll just say, it was so freaking good.
1: <laughs> Fuck. I've been um, trying to
0: figure out uh, since that time what it was.
1: Sometimes it's banana. Like the small bananas. Oh,
0: like mashed up kind of.
1: Yeah, they mm. put it in the middle and they just steam it. Oh it was, wow. Yeah. Um
0: it was so good. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know what we I know my mom makes it for her offerings to the temple. I'm it's totally drawn and blank. I think okay. I need more whiskey. But um Well, I'm glad yeah. you know it. Yeah, it, it's it's uh it's like a steamed sticky rice with something in the middle. Sometimes people use like um, a potato, really? Yeah. Sometimes people use banana. It kind of just depends on, you know, how the person's feeling. I think
0: it was it, so good because it was yeah.
1: like, was it sweet?
0: Yeah, it was sweet. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. it was it was burning hot, and I, I didn't really know where I was going. I was wandering around, just like pouring sweat. And it was when I came back to the boat when they showed up. And I was like, "Oh my God!" Like this, it was like you know, fifty cents American. So I'm like, "Whatever it is, I'll take it, sure." And it was that. Yeah, <laughs> it was freaking awesome. Oh, no,
1: that's cool. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. So we talked about how. Um, did you want to pour another one? Yeah. Cool. Um, Are you yeah. down? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we
1: talked about, I well, only have to take my kids into school in the morning. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good though. But hey, no hangovers, right?
0: Yeah, man. It's the rice, uh, rice whiskey. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. Maybe we'll give them a plug. Uh, what are we drinking? White Tiger, Lao style whiskey. But so, yeah, so we talked about how, how you kind of learn from mom. You come down to, to New York City and, um, at what point do you start considering? Well, I can I can work with food. I can cook for people. I can do this as a potential living.
1: Um, after hey Chris, this is my partner Chris. Hey. We're not live or anything. How's it going? We're just recording. Oh, we
0: we'll probably I'll, I'll I'll leave this in here. Yeah. 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 Nice to meet you.
1: It's my partner in crime, Chris. Tim.
0: I'm gonna leave uh, all this in anyway. Yeah.
1: Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Join us. You want to take a shot with us?
0: Oh, it's, it's not it's, that bad. it's this is this is intense. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's not that intense compared to actual Lao Lao. Oh. You want to share your experience of Lao Lao in Laos? Oh. oh so you went too? Yeah. Yeah, we went together.
2: Yeah. Uh a lot of the um older women they carry like these water bottles in their yeah. pocketbook. And in it was their uh Call like a like a stash. Moons, moonshine, moonshine. Yeah. yeah. It's essentially moonshine inside of a plastic water bottle, and I don't drink beer, I don't like it, so they would just give me shots of this moonshine they kept in their purse.
0: And you can't refuse, no.
1: Nah. Yeah. And they're and they're pretty it's like you take one. And usually there's like a half hour waiting period. Nah, like in the next five minutes it's like Here, here's another.
2: Yeah. Pour a shot for me And like half a shot For herself And keep doing that And act like she was Drinking with me But she wasn't And uh, so I peeked up I brought up a
0: Oh treats Oh thank you Yeah Cool um, So yeah What was oh, that I, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I guess you know After I started talking To my mom About cooking Some of my favorite dishes I started cooking them At home And I would just You know People would come by, and they would eat, and they would really enjoy it. So, you know, um, I think the suggestion was made where we sold tickets and just kind of had a barbecue in the back, served Lao food, which is like my favorite Lao experience. Is like a Lao barbecue Mm. where you just grill meat. Sometimes you put clams on the grill, eat it with sticky rice, there's papaya salad, there's a shit ton of cognac and beer flowing around. and you just kind of just enjoy each other's company. You kind of enjoy that moment. and i I tried to replicate that experience in my backyard. And I had a friend who was a videographer, um Barkley, Japan, and they kind of they just shot that that day. yeah, and um, we posted a video on Facebook and it just kind of um you know spread across the internet. And they got a really warm reception from the Lao community. And um, it was like, you know, it was like a thing. It was like a thing. There were a lot of comments, a lot of great support from the Lao community. So the next one, next barbecue we threw, we just like sold tickets to it. Wow. And people came by. That's when I met my first Lao person. Who's living in New York? Who's City, living yeah. in New York for and yeah, people. Uh, uh, like for four years, I lived in New York City and yeah. did not meet one loud person until I, you know, posted on the Internet that I was having this loud barbecue and charged people to come. And they came and yeah, I mean, the rest is history. Now we just do pop ups and, you know, certain events kind of trying to share that experience with people.
0: I think I read in Greg's article that at at some point, I guess, you sort of recognized that, um, I don't know if it was in this neighborhood or I I thought that I read that it was East New York, that essentially like many places in the city, it was a food desert. Yeah. Um, And you were, is that where you were selling food or you were bringing food there? What was going on with that?
1: Um, Well, uh, Lao food aside, you know, the neighborhoods that we live in, like Bushwick, East New York, you don't really have access to fresh produce. Mm -hmm. And our options are very limited. Um, You know, there's like a chicken shack around the corner, three Chinese restaurants in the neighborhood, a Little Caesars. And, you know, at the time, we just really wanted to try to offer something different, a different alternative to people, you know, who might not know otherwise and try to offer... Uh, You know, something that was a little bit healthier also at the same time and different. So, you know, that was one of our um, motivating factors as well.
0: So so would you do, like a night market or on weekends or something like that? Or did you have a storefront?
1: No, we were just doing pop-ups. Like we would just, you know, whoever we were cool with, you know, we would just be... We'd use their space. Like down the street at Cafe Azuli we had a, a pop-up there um, where we just sold loud food and had a DJ and we just kind of um, enjoyed the day, listening to music, awesome. eating loud food, getting drunk, you know? So
2: when we first started I Eat loud Food, the intention was for us to build this brand and build this movement so that we can open up a brick and mortar. But like over the last two years admittedly we've come we've moved in like a much different direction not saying that that's not still our intention and still what we want to do but uh the way real estate is here in new york city yeah. it's a little difficult um i've been looking for i've been looking like at the market in east new york in particular and just like Developers are getting it, or you have to just be, you just have to know whoever it is that's selling Mm -hmm. their home, you know, or have it inherited. But like getting your hands on some real estate out there is very difficult if you're not like a multi, you know, multi million dollar corporation. Um, So we've kind of moved a little bit away from what our intentions were. Um, But this isn't to say that there isn't room to still figure out how to do that, but we wanted to take the brand and be able to um, open up shop in in a low-income neighborhood, in a neighborhood where there aren't access to uh, a lot of things and be able to offer uh, high-quality foods with high-quality ingredients and fresh ingredients as opposed to uh, the other offerings in many of these neighborhoods.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. First of all, that's that's awesome. Um, I've worked, we were talking about this a little bit before uh, we started recording, but I've worked in in Red Hook for the last seven years. And kind of like Red Hook proper, like you have um, Van Brunt and the part of Red Hook that used to be called Red Hook that's now Carroll Gardens, which are like the gentrified sections around the center. Yeah. Um, and the the school that I worked at service the housing projects that are kind of in the center. And it's also a food desert, you know, it's, you, just like you said, you have the chicken spot, you have the corner store and, and there's the sea town. Yeah. Um, and you can say, well, you live in New York, you know, you have the train, you could go anywhere, but you want to see something that's in your immediate community that is healthy and affordable and accessible. Um, so that's really cool that you were doing that. Yeah.
2: So we um, did have an opportunity to host a pop-up that went pretty well, actually, in East New York at um, the Tea Room, uh, which is a cafe uh, owned and operated by a woman named Tiana Smalls, who uh, also grew up in Brooklyn, grew Mm. up in East New York, and um, has done so much for her community uh including allowing us to use her just talking to the mic. It's a little bit better, yeah. That's okay. Including allowing us to use her um cafe to host our pop up at a price lower than anybody else would, you know what I mean? Yeah. So and, That's and awesome. making that accessible to us, which is super super duper of her.
1: Yeah, it was like deep in East New York, like last stop on the tree three train. Yeah. <laughs> Dude. Like, Whatever. Like
0: almost queens. Mm-hmm.
1: No. Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah. that border. Okay. Like, Liberty. Yeah. What were her cross streets? Like, Liberty and... Uh, she's on Pine Street. Yeah. You know. And... I can't remember. So yeah, and, like, people were coming in, and they're like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? Like, they had never heard of the country Laos. Yeah, never. A, I'm
0: really curious about know. that. Like, what was the reception like? Because, um, and I do mean this in a positive way, like, people especially if you're in a low income community you're really proud of your culture and your heritage and and maybe that might mean that you are suspicious about other cultures and things like that coming into yeah. into your neighborhood so what was the reception like
1: um i think for the most part i mean it was, it was i think it was a little skeptical yeah. but when you see that crowd it's like you become a little curious, right? So yeah. you wait in line, you get your food, and you're like, "Oh shit, this is actually pretty good," you know. So you know, it was cool. We we had a good turnout that day, um, and we were able to share something with people who may not have normally been able to access that on you know any given day or whatever. So you know, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah.
0: And so now you're part of the Weekly Queens Night Market. Yeah, I saw you do the socials on Atlantic Avenue. Uh, we're, oh yeah, we're or the place event, is called the Social. It's sorry, Atlantic
2: social. yeah. We're
0: hosting, um, a like our first sit down dinner. Yeah.
2: Um, at Atlantic Social across the street from Barclays Center on Atlantic and South Elliott. That's awesome. So we'll be there. I'm looking forward to doing that. One of the things that we've um, been doing with our events is we've had the ability to bring many different types of people across cultures, across, like, across racial barriers, across um, sexual orientation. Like, people just, just everyone comes out just to have a good time. And I think people come out for that, the vibes and, and the environment, more than they come out for the food, to be very honest with you. That's
1: awesome. Are you saying the food sucks?
2: <laughs> no, I'm not saying that I'm oh, Just kidding. <laughs> love the food as well. So it's kind of a two-parter. Like, we we have foodies who like to come out for the food, and yeah. then we have people, uh, we'll call them the skeptics, just for, like, argument's sake, um, who are more interested in the vibe and the party.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, almost on a, on a global scale right now with the prevalence of, like, food media and blogs and TV and kind of, like, and maybe started a lot with, like, Anthony Bourdain... You have people that are open to to trying different things and going new places and things like that. So I think it's only going to grow. Um, I don't. I'm not just trying to like blow smoke up your ass here, but I. This is um, what is this? This is episode sixty nine. There you go. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've had a lot of folks on here who. If I'm being unbiased, I think are on the cusp of something. Um, I had, uh, do you know who Andrea Wynn is? I mean, she already, I mean, this podcast is nothing compared to her, but she does uh, Vietnamese cookbooks. Okay. But I had her on two days before the James Beard Award, and I was like, I I have your book in front of me. I know you're going to win this, and she won it. Awesome. I had um, Kiara. Kiara Batara is a mixed martial arts f- fighter, and I was like, I know you're going to win this next fight at Combate, and 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 she won. I think you're on the cusp of something big here. Again, there aren't a lot of people doing what you're doing. It, I as far as I know in my limited understanding, there, there's one Laotian restaurant in Manhattan and yeah. um, kind of like the, I think on the West side.
1: Yeah. It's Kio in Tribeca. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, But you don't see people doing pop-ups and, and, and it's kind of brilliant because pop-ups are also part of like clothing culture and, and hip hop culture and youth culture and things like that. And so, you're kind of onto a format, if that makes sense. That is is popular right now, so I think it's a. I think you're on the cusp of something big. I know you said yeah. it, it's really tough to have a brick and mortar, mortar standing sure. restaurant, um, but I don't know. I, I could I could see big things, man. It's it's exciting.
1: Well, you know, we definitely hope so. I feel like we've been on a. You know, we just try our best. I really don't know what else to say. You know, we kind of just do what we do, and hopefully, something great happens. You know, maybe yeah. the great things are happening right now. I don't know. You yeah, know, I just think so. do what we do. You know,
0: I mean, like I said, that you were in my, without knowing you, uh, in my in my my top two top three things at the night market that night. Cool. Do you mix that up weekly or do you
1: Yeah, we do. Um, you know, our staple is the Nam Cow, which is the crispy coconut fried yeah. rice. It's but kind of uh, on the
0: bottom is so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. People
1: people love that crunch and um, you know, it's just one of those things where I when I first made it, people just gravitated toward it and hooked were just hooked and mm-hmm. Um, but we do switch it up. Um, I think the last time we were at night market, uh, we had our grilled beef there mm. um, with some lao hot sauce and sticky rice. Uh, what else did we have? We had some. What was it before that? We had some. We had mushroom lop That yeah. that one oh, we.
0: So
1: um, yeah, we you know we can just mix it up. It kind of just depends on how I'm feeling, really.
0: Yeah, you know. So things that people should check out, I guess, are um, first of all, your Instagram account kind of has everything that's going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Just day to day tabs and what we're up to.
0: And what's the handle for the? uh, It's I eat Lao food. I eat Lao food. Yeah, L A O. So that will have uh, night market information. Um, How often do you uh, do the social?
2: This is our first time doing it. Oh, really? Yeah. This is our first time doing it at, in this venue. Okay. So if all goes well, fingers crossed, we can, you know, do another there. But yeah, this is gonna be our first time working with the venue and working with, uh, working with this venue and um, this particular event production company. So cool. Uh, it's a lot of new things happening with this particular yeah, it's exciting. event. exciting. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Cool. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. You know,
0: a little, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So
0: I'll link to that stuff in the show notes. People will be able to read that. Um, so the Instagram, the the one-offs like this, the social, which hopefully happens more often, the the night market. I saw that you started doing a couple kind of how-to cooking videos too.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, in our free time, we we try to push the culture yeah, and yeah. kind of share some of the knowledge that been passed to me from, you know, my mom and other Laos chefs that I've, you know, come across on this journey. So, you know, just to share with folks and get them more familiar with the food, Lao food.
0: Cool. Is there anything else that you want to plug? Is there anything that people should be checking out?
1: Um, No, I mean, um, I think Laos... On a national scale, Lao Americans have been doing a lot of great things. Um, we've been doing a lot to kind of provide a voice for ourselves and um, doing a lot of work to, I don't know, doing dope shit. Yeah. Just to, <laughs> uh, you know, because, you know, sometimes, like, Southeast Asian folks, Lao folks, we kind of get lost in the sauce when yeah. it comes to Asian American stuff, <laughs> and it's like Asian American Pacific Month this month, I believe. Yeah, so you know, we just try to do our part. Um, there's a difference between being Lao and being Chinese and being Korean and Japanese, and you know, we're just trying to do our part to have our voices heard and, and you know, share our experiences with others, and you know, and just kind of uh, live.
0: Well, it's yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, and I yeah. hope that uh, this episode kind of uh, educated some folks and, and opened them up to to possibly a new culture and uh, maybe some new food, too. So, yeah, that's definitely. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Vanilla, thank you for doing this.
1: No, nah, thanks for having me uh, and Chris as well. Yeah, thanks. Let's take this last shot before right. we go oh, yeah. off there or Wait, whatever. Are you
0: going to do one, too? All right, we got to go. <laughs> you go should we should we plug this guy Who who is the guy yeah this? so this
1: is White Tiger Distillery yeah um, his name is Itsara Unarat they're in Forest Hill Maryland they make um, and distill Lao style whiskey Yeah. pure fire yeah
0: If you're listening at home, pour yourself something. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, cheers, everyone. Cheers. 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 Thank you, man. <sighs> oh, my God. Jeez. Wow. Oh. All
1: right. Yeah. Folks. Wow. That's my second one, so it kind of tastes like water now. Yeah. And I, we had a beer.
0: <laughs> in between. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cheers, everybody. As right. always, take care of each other. Bye-bye.